This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Well, welcome to this Saturate podcast. I'm Brad Watson, and today I have Nathan Cedarland joining me from Grays Harbor on the Washington State coast. And uh, it's good to have Nathan on. We actually spent a few days together several years ago when I was up there with a mutual friend, Mike Forbotten. So shout out to Mike if he listens to this podcast. And we were doing some training on missional communities. And so Nathan, it's great to have you back here. I'm excited to talk to you about what God's doing uh, in your in your region, in your city, and uh, to talk to you again. Hey, it's great to be on, Brad. Thanks for the opportunity. And that was actually a pretty foundational time for our church plant when you guys came out and served us as a small family at the time. Well, part of what's cool about your context, it was exciting for me, just like uh, a blend of Spanish speakers and English speakers and all over, you know, the little area uh, where you guys are. It was awesome to, to be part of that. So great memory for me. Yeah, you guys were kind of like out of context as two guys from Portland and we're kind of we're almost <laughs> a few years behind. Now with the internet, it's not as bad as it once was. We're always like behind <laughs> everybody else. Some of our folks are like, who are these guys? <laughs> it was really encouraging for people overall, so in, spite of, in spite of that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> in spite of our weird Portland. I know. Yeah, the the cities in the Pacific Northwest don't often connect very well to the people outside of the cities, which I think a lot of people don't realize how rural and industrial and small town most of the Pacific Northwest actually is. So yeah, but uh, I love it. And so Nathan, you've been writing on the Saturate blog recently, you've been sharing about the impact of multiple churches being united together to reach a common city and region. And I think it's been really exciting just to hear your stories and your insights. And uh, that's in fact, one of the primary reasons Saturate even exists is to see churches working together in cities, in a region, uh, to see the gospel take root and to, to flourish there. Or in other words, to see gospel saturation take place where every church is equipping every person to go into every place where every man, woman, and child has a daily encounter with the gospel, whether it's a group of people demonstrating it in a neighborhood or if it's an actual friend at work sharing the gospel that's that's our big hope and so you guys are actually a good example of people taking steps towards that and so this episode is going to be all about that all about churches working together and hearing your stories and and just things that you've learned uh, but before we do that i always love asking our guests to share a little bit about their own missional community life these stories really help our listeners sort of get ideas and encouragement, and they really get to know you. So Nathan, I'm wondering if you could share just a little bit about what MC life looks like for you in this current season. Yeah, well, it looks really different for us than it has in the past. And we've we've gone through a lot of transition. At one time, our MC was primarily Spanish speakers, um, then it kind of transitioned to more English speakers, and we've have planted two MCs or launched two new communities out of 
our original English speaking MC. We really actually have nobody left from the that original group, which is encouraging, but also just kind of weird being in a in a season mm. of doing life with people that yeah that we haven't known for that long. Mm. It's definitely been a, a very different season for us. People that currently are part of our community not really had a lot of exposure to a missional community lifestyle in the past. So we're, we're kind of starting over with some of the basics again. And of course, always, I think it's good to be reviewing those things, even for those of us that are more familiar. Hmm. We need those reminders for sure and always need, need to be coming back to the gospel. So even more so, we've had to really uh, begin to lay that foundation, especially we've, we've got a mix of people in our, in our group currently. We have you know, some people that have been followers of Jesus for a long time, but in a very different way of doing church, yeah. a lot of rethinking. We've got an, a couple in their 70s, for example. And then we, ha we have a lot of kids in our missional community. Mm -hmm. we, we have like, if all the kids show up, I think we have like 20 kids. Nice. It can be a little crazy. And that's been a challenge for us. Mm -hmm. We want to involve them. We have a heart to, to really express what it looks like to be family together. We've got, like I said, a couple in their seventies. So you kind of have like mm. the grandparent generation and then yeah. some people, you know, that are middle-aged and with kids that are a little bit older. And then we've got six kids, 10 and under. So just right there, right. that's a lot. Mm. It's been challenging in that regard. You know, sometimes it's like when we're coming together just to, for a family meal, we're going to do some kind of Bible study or something of that nature. We'll usually try to include the kids for part of it. But uh, if it's if the weather is decent, we will often send them outside and uh, yeah. get some energy out. And also one of the, the biggest things that a lot of missional communities struggle with, and certainly has been a struggle for us in the mm -hmm. past as well, is just that whole the whole missional piece, ironically, right? Mm -hmm. So right now we're focused in on, on foster care. Mm. is our proactive mission and particularly with the foster care crisis in our community. Mm. It's a pretty broad mission, which makes it challenging in some regards to, to know what does this look like on a day-to-day -day basis as far as being yeah. involved in this. And so we've been making some good, some good ground there, but definitely that's, that's been a struggle and trying mm. to make sure we keep that personal, that this is not about an issue only this is about real people with whom we want to be developing relationships, whether that's people working at DSHS um, or some other sort of community service agency or, you know, foster parents that are in need of encouragement. And so yeah. we're obviously having to partner with others and outside of our missional community to, to really be able to make an impact in that area, which will connect over to talking about unity in the church and yeah our community life here is is definitely is a different season for us we've mm -hmm. got people like i said that have been uh, followers of jesus for a long time some others who are not really sure where they're at when it comes to jesus and have been really hurt by the church and are kind of just barely coming back and opening up a little bit about that and aren't really sure whether they want to follow Jesus, want to be a part of the church, but at least there, you know, there's some interest in, in being connected to community. And so it makes yeah. it uh, super, super challenging. There's no ideal group where everybody's like mm -hmm. super excited about serving and all <laughs> opportunities. Like we, we actually had that group for a very short time. Of course, <laughs> it was not as perfect as we once thought it was, but. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, I love how you're basically describing a missional community that has like 
what's the youngest child? Like seven months old. So you have like seven <laughs> months to 70 years. That's, that's like a phenomenal display of the family of God. And you know, what's cool about what you're describing is a lot of the tension that, that even like, I don't know if uh, some churches are trying to transition from more traditional structures of discipleship into uh, churches organized around missional communities. And I think one of the things that they're always faced with is, oh, we've got to transition all these people. But what I think often gets missed is even churches like yours that are structured around missional communities, there is this always never-ending transitioning of new people. We're always filled with people in our MCs that this whole concept is new to them. And we've got to like train them, even if they're new Christians or they've been Christians for like 60 years. It's that ongoing process. That's really exciting that yeah. that's what your work is right now in community. Yeah, absolutely. And another cool thing is it's a, it's a different season for us in that the missional communities that we've launched out of ours are all growing way faster than our right. missional community and beginning to reach a lot more people. And so mm-hmm. that's really encouraging and just yeah, very different from where we've been in the past. You know, God gives churches uh, apostolic or sort of pioneering leaders who are able to to teach people the basics and then send them out and see a lot of fruit happen, which could definitely be part of your gifting. And that's something that me and Mirella, my wife, have experienced often is our communities tend to be like that, like, oh, okay, well, now we've got a bunch of new people. We're equipping them, training them, teaching them the foundational pieces of the gospel about our identity in Christ, about the mission of God. And then we like send them out. And then that tends to be what our MCs look like. We always joke. It's like the back door to our MC is always revolving. And yeah. uh, it feels like the front door to our MC is like this huge garage that people pour into and then pour out of the back. But that is a that's a legitimate ministry that we have. Yeah. So hopefully you can be encouraged. Even the, the fruit of the other missional communities is is not something you have to look over the fence at, but it's like it's part of your family and your family tree. So that's good news for sure. Kind of shifting from, yeah, the small, you know, your missional community that, that's been multiplying to the large and to look at uh, your region as a whole. Could you tell us a little bit just about Grays Harbor and what this as a place is like and what the people are like and then how you see God, you know, working in your city? What's that like? Yeah, well, we love Grays Harbor. We definitely believe this is where God has called us. There are a lot of people who have been in this area for a long time that there's certainly a lot of negativity about our community as a whole. Some people might refer to it as the armpit of Western Washington. It has some similarities, I'm told, to certain smaller cities in Alaska. Mm. We don't have a whole lot of suburbs. It's kind of like downtown, inner city, but small city and then country. Mm -hmm. So interesting dynamics there. Definitely a lot of people below the poverty line. A lot of people due to the forestry industry in the past here that employed a lot of people and, and some of the changes that have been made over the last probably 30 years or so, uh, not to get into a political issue or anything. Right. <laughs> a lot of brokenness, a lot of generational addiction and just dysfunctional families. And so um, definitely one of those places where you see the effects of sin very clearly on the outside. Mm-hmm. 
you know, driving in to Aberdeen, which is where Kurt Cobain and Nirvana yeah. is from. Yeah. And, you know, and the, the sign, it says, come as you are, you know, from their, their songs. And uh, it was always interesting to me is like, oh, like this is a city filled with Kurt Cobain's. It's not like Kurt Cobain was like super special. He like embodied even the the drug abuse, the depression, the hardship. Like as yeah. an outsider, that's what it appears to me is like, as you get to know people and, and hang out, you're like, oh man. That's an excellent way of putting it. I mean, yeah, his life is like a microcosm of our, of our community, essentially, in many regards. We're seeing some, some great changes being made by the church as well, and, and certainly a lot of opportunities to, to be able to shine the light of Jesus in and, and what is yeah, a very dark place in, in many regards. It's, it's funny, yeah, a, lot of, a lot of folks that come in from the outside say that they just get this sense of oppression and darkness when they come into, into Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got a history behind all of that, even going back before Cobain and right. crazy logging days of the early part of the 20th century and a lot mm-hmm. of crime and prostitution and goes way back. So, And so what are you guys seeing God do in your city? Maybe even specifically, how, how are you seeing churches come and form together? And what has that journey been like? Well, there's definitely been a legacy of partnership that I've been able to and other leaders that I'm working with currently that we've been able to really stand on their shoulders. I've been here for 10 years now, so I'm, I'm really thankful for that as far as just uh, pastors getting together to pray on a regular basis, like once a month at least together. There's probably about 30 pastors in our city that pray once a month, and that's been going on for a long time. And there's been some other big events and stuff that have taken place in our city before. But for me, it's been probably over the last five years or so that just an intentionally building relationship with other pastors that we started to just sense God's call really early on started to feel like, man, this is a tough area. We both are passionate about the gospel, you know, or all three of us, you know, it started out with just me and one Presbyterian pastor actually. And then we started adding to that group with other guys. And um, Mm -hmm. as we began to pray together, talk about the gospel and its implications for our lives, just I think started realizing we have so much more in common than we do as far as differences and when it comes to theology. And we can't afford not to be prioritizing unity and trying to work together Mm. for gospel saturation in our city. And so it really begun with relationships and just investing and getting together once a week, you know, for a coffee, praying together. There's five guys right now that we meet together mm. once a week and pray together and we'll, you know, have a game night once in a while. And the relationship has developed to the point where, you know, if somebody's struggling with something, they can, you know, send a message out to this group and people are praying. And so there's a lot of mm. deep relationship that's been developed. Yeah, that's awesome. And then how does that spill over just into how you work together? even in in practical ways, you know, you alluded earlier just to foster care and how it takes more than just one MC and even just one church. So what are, what are some of the fruits of that? Yeah. Well, maybe even just taking it back a little bit as we started meeting together, we're, you know, we're studying different books together. We did some sermon series together. We all have just sensed this incredible burden for the brokenness of our community and just seeing poverty, seeing, you know, a lot of homelessness, a lot of broken families, 
a lot of kids in foster care and all these different social needs that are before us and wanting to say, what does it look like for us as followers of Jesus, as leaders within his church and his family to, to really make an impact? Like it's, it isn't right for us just to get together and have a coffee and chat about our next sermon series. But like, <laughs> we can't ignore right. so much of the pain and suffering that's that's going on. And I remember sitting down and just putting together a list of all these different areas of justice that we as followers of Jesus, that we as the church should be concerned about. And I just brought that list, uh, one of our, one mm-hmm. of our meetings during the week and just presented it before the other, other guys and said like, you know, let's start praying and talking about what does it look like for us to begin to address these issues from a gospel perspective. And mm-hmm. it really started growing out of there. So as far as uh, more specifically partnering together, you know, I actually had her- had heard Jeff uh, Vanderstel talk about the idea of cross church missional communities probably about a year and a half ago, and that idea of saying, "Okay, mm-hmm. I'm convicted that the primary organi- organizing structure of the church is a community of people on mission with the gospel, and if we're going to make an impact." Mm-hmm in our broader community on some of these issues. And it seems like the most effective way for that to happen would be if gospel saturation is really going to happen, you know, if there's going to be impact that changes and transforms people, then it's, it's likely going to be through that vehicle of, of believers coming together mm-hmm. in community with the gospel and intentionally engaging some of these areas of brokenness within our cities. So thinking through, man, if we are convicted about that in our local level and see, you know, just the theological foundation for that and just how it's worked out practically why would we start with any other model when it comes to mm. the bigger um more global level within our within our city mm-hmm. and and so you know starting to talk to pastors about hey what would it look like for us to commission people within our churches within our local congregations to partner together as a community to be sent on mission to one of these particular areas and begin to engage wow yeah, what you're describing is like not just building relationships, but then even, you know, going beyond that to where you guys are sharing a sermon series together, you're preaching in each other's churches, but then beyond all of that, moving towards, man, what if we actually shared the equipping and the sending of people for the sake of the mission, where you're taking people from different churches and sending them on the same proactive mission to bring the gospel. So it's like so, so amazing that that's, that's what you're, you're working towards. Yeah. As I started getting excited about this and thinking about this idea of multiple congregations commissioning people to be a part of the same missional community, got really excited about it, started sharing it with these guys. And my initial thought was like, you know, if we could do this together and consolidate and make sure that our, you know, if our the mission, the vision of our of our local churches, all of us are desiring this this same thing, then we can we can have like one track for, you know, one kind of uh, standardized training process mm-hmm. that we use for all of our leaders, you know, and and really save ourselves a lot of time. Early on, probably one of the mistakes I made was saying this is going to require a shift to where this becomes primary engine for discipleship, for leadership development, 
initially that scared some of the guys, like just the whole missional community transition thing is difficult enough as it is, let alone trying to do that with multiple churches at the same time. And so I got ahead of myself a little bit there early on in, in some of the conversations and we've kind of backed up to say, yes, that's the goal. That's where we'd like to get would be awesome. So, I mean, what would it look like for every faithful church in our community that's committed to, to the gospel to be, you know, sharing resources and have, you know, a standardized equipping process that leaders can go through. Mm-hmm. And it would just be so helpful in, in many regards. But in the meantime, to sell that vision, to try to get people to buy into it without having really seen for themselves, what mm-hmm. it looked like, I quickly realized it was going to be challenging. And so we kind of took a step back of saying, okay, let's see if we could focus in on one specific area or two specific areas and try to do like a, a test pilot, so to speak. So right now, as we've stepped back, we're saying, let's pray intentionally about some specific areas. And the, the primary area that's come up is that of foster mm-hmm. care. So that's been really helpful for my perspective and and in my situation where my MC is already focused on that area, on that need. So it's allowing me to be able to um, invest in saying, what would it look like for the church as a whole, or at least for several congregations uh, that are part of our, of the church in Grace Harbor to intentionally invest in this. Mm -hmm. And then kind of going out from there saying, what are some issues that are connected with this? Well, obviously there's a reason that kids are ending up in foster care. So mm-hmm. one of our missional communities, their proactive mission is this place called the Friendship House. That's a homeless shelter for for women and they can have kids up to 12 years old. And a lot of those women are at stake at high risk for losing their kids to this. Right. So that gives us an opportunity basically to work intentionally and engage on mm. before kids end up in the care of the state. Um, that particular missional community that has the this woman's shelter as their as their missional focus, mm-hmm. they're getting ready to to multiply, and likely the the group that's going to be sent out from there is going to partner together with some believers from um, one other church at least. That's cool. So that'll be our first traditional missional community that's going to be made up of people of of two churches intentionally. I mean, almost all of our missional communities already have people from other churches in them, you know, and that's always kind of been a weird thing. Like, okay, you know, I encourage the leaders like, hey, make sure that they're not being taken away from stuff they should be involved in and their local church and try to be super respectful, you know, to other pastors. But now that our focus has kind of shifted on that, it's like, okay, maybe we could talk to some of these pastors and see if they'd be interested in engaging with us more intentionally in this. Yeah, which is, I think it's a whole uh, different level for people to be thinking about is it not being an accident that there are people in different churches, but that the leaders of the churches are so uh, unified and so seeking to see restoration and redemption in the city that that it's on purpose that you have a multiplication of people from different churches for a specific mission. I think that's remarkably inspiring. Before we go, I wondered if you had tidbits of of wisdom or, or next steps. So if someone's listening to this thinking, wow, I would love to see that sort of thing happen tomorrow. How could you help them see just, you know, the next like top three next steps for someone to to jump into? 
Well, I would definitely say, as I've already mentioned, you know, starting with relationship is key. I mean, I think that's pretty essential in anything that we're doing. Starting with just a piece or starting with just a slice of this is crucial to get the vision caught before before it's taught in some sense. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. there has to be teaching in there as well until people actually see um, what it looks like to have a missional focus and they start engaging that focus. Like, it's still kind of this vague concept that's out there that <laughs> isn't really um, tangible yet. So that, I, I would say, is really big. And as a leader, I think trying to be careful about time, you know, like obviously there's a lot of stuff, a lot of different responsibilities that we have. And so I think consolidation is key in that regard of being able to say, how are some ways that I can work on this and move forward with this that would be complementary to some of the things that I'm already doing. So my situation being being able to you know, it's worked out to where foster care has been the agreed upon initial focus for for the churches in our area. Mm-hmm. And that that's also the area of focus for my MC. So that is super helpful. Yeah. So maybe your MC could adopt the mission that, that makes the most sense for the regional church to partner around or perhaps several of your MCs or other missional community groups that you have have missional focus that reinforce or in some way complement the missional focus for the regional church. Yeah. And uh, so that's another thing. Yeah. I mean, I think being able to, from the very beginning, just make sure people believe that unity is important and something we should strive for. And obviously talking about gospel centered unity and giving time to define what that, what that means, what that looks like. Yeah. And my experience so far is that your average follower of Jesus is already on board with this and really excited about working together. Like a lot of people, they already have other Christians at their workplace, you know, that they're friends with or whatever. And like the idea of saying the leadership of my church would actually get behind us and commission us to be on mission together in this place with other followers of Jesus from other local congregations. Like that would be awesome. Like that's what we already want to see happen. It's more among the leaders that there's hesitancy when it comes to greater unity among the body. So again, you know, trying to define, it's hard to work towards something that we haven't defined. So we could talk about church unity and in this really vague sort of way, like, Hey, we need to keep Mm -hmm. the spirit in the bond of peace. And Jesus prayed that we would be one. He and the father are one. So the world would know that, he was sent from the father and we can have cast this vision for unity, but we've got to define what would this unity look like in practice? What would sustainable, genuine unity look like? Is it going to be a big event? You know, that all the churches in the community throw together once a year. Well, that might be a good thing. That's not sustainable. And that's not going to be equipping everyday believers to be united on mission during the week and throughout the year. So it's got to be more than a, more than an event, than um, some sort of outreach that's put together. I think we've got to help our people see that like true, genuine unity among the body of Christ is not just going to be pastors getting together to pray um, once in a while. As good as that is, it's not just going to be throwing an event. It's not something that can be only led by leaders. It needs to be something that involves the whole body. I mean, Ephesians 4 makes that clear that all of us using our gifts are building each other up into Christ, right. into unity, to the whole body working together. And so I don't see why we would think it would be any different in our local congregation than 
as a church, um, as the, the entire representation of the body of Christ in a, any particular region or, or city. So, yeah. And that's, I think that's so beautiful because it's not just that working together, uh, with across churches, we can be more successful, you know, like in seeing problems solved or seeing people know Jesus. It's that we're actually called to do that. Uh, Jesus calls us to do that in his prayer for the church. It's what he desires. It's also what Paul describes uh, in Ephesians 4, that we would all be one church under one Lord and yeah. one baptism. And that, that that's like who we are. There's like an identity there yeah. that we as disciples are unified to the rest of the disciples of Jesus, that we carry that identity with us into every workplace, every sporting event, you know, every hobby, every marketplace, like that's who we are as we go into those places. And so I think what you're describing, and then even the hope and the prayer for that we have at Saturate is that we could put in structures or uh, basic pathways so that every disciple in each city and region would be able to functionally live that identity out. That's what people want and, and are longing for too. I, you know, like mm-hmm. a, a, several years ago, we did this huge event, several churches, probably 20 churches in our community partnered together. It was really cool. The, it cost a ton of money and it was a one day event of outreach to the community, providing social services and, and the gospel was shared and a lot of good things. So many people, and I heard multiple pastors talking about this and others, how people were coming to them and saying, hey, we'd love to do that again. When are we going to do an event like that again? And the pastor's response was, man, that was exhausting. You know, all the energy and effort that went into coordinating this huge event and the finances that uh, were spent in order to to make it happen. Like maybe 10 years from now, we'll do it again. You know, like uh, there was, they got really burned out through that, through that whole process. And so even just in light of that, I started thinking, man, that, that's a missional community is basically that's how you can do it on the everyday in a way that's sustainable. Right. And I would love rather than saying, OK, so those people should come to our church uh, so they can be a part of a missional community. I mean, that was probably my initial selfish thought, if I'm honest, like because we're doing it the right. right way. And God has worked in my heart and changed changed that uh, posture to say, you know what? I want I want to share this vision with my brothers and sisters um right. other local congregations and wouldn't it be awesome if there were you know more and more of these churches that were embracing a vision for the church and a way of doing church that allowed these these followers of Jesus to really live out their identity in the everyday. That is a big shift that people can take instead of trying to do big campaigns or events. Man, what if churches shared equipping because it's hard to equip people. So even just can we have the same training track or can we have a theological church-based theological education track so we can raise up really good gifted leaders that know the truth and can live the truth instead of each church trying to find some way to do through the systems to do justice, which is hard, you know, Uh, even it feels like intentionally hard sometimes like we don't as a society want people to care for the poor and the vulnerable but what if we as a group of churches figured out how to do that together instead of just one of us and which is it's it's different than just the the rah-rah events which can be helpful like he said but i think if we shift it towards oh wait how can each church work together to equip every saint 
every disciple to go and make disciples. Yeah, we, we really might be onto something there. That's that's an idea worth <laughs> giving some time and energy to. <laughs> Amen. Nathan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Love hearing your voice, love hearing your passion for your place, but also for the gospel uh, to bear fruit uh, in people's lives in the place God's called you. And uh, yeah, we'll have to have you on again sometime. Uh, Keep checking in on what God is doing in your midst. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure, Brad. It's good speaking with you. Good to hear your voice as well. And excited to hear about what God is doing down there in LA and look forward to continuing to hear more about that as well. For you guys, the listeners, thanks for listening in this week. And we basically create resources to this end. So you can uh, check out some of these articles that Nathan's written. Uh, If you just go to the blog, search for Nathan Cedarland, you'll be able to find them. We'll also post them in uh, links to them in the description of the podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Uh, As always, help us get the word out by reviewing uh, on iTunes or however you're listening to us. And, And also, if you have questions or stories that you want insight or input or just want to share, we love to hear those. You can connect to us by writing to us at hello at saturatetheworld.com. So it's hello, like the greeting, at saturatetheworld.com. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you again soon. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.